0: Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show.
1: What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Nash Biz podcast with my business partner and co-host, John Trusty. Today, we have Chuck Moyer. Chuck has over 45 years of transportation experience and has worked with Fortune 500 companies, served as president of the CLDA, and is a frequent speaker at industry conferences on webcasts and has been published on topics including M&A, e-commerce, industry trends, independent contractor business model, and how expedited same-day final mile and parcel carriers benefit the global supply chain. Chuck holds the positions of CEO of Pentagon Final Mile, president and CEO of Rova, an internet delivery platform, immediate past president of the CLDA, partner with Tompkins Ventures, and the founder of Stay True Advisors. Chuck, how's it going? Welcome to the show.
0: going well. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to the conversation
1: appreciate you being on. So before we dive into the content of the episode, I know we introduced you through that paragraph, but let's let you introduce yourself. Let's say me and you were on an elevator. We're on floor 12. We're going to floor one. You have to essentially give me the elevator pitch of who Chuck is before we get down to floor one. How would you introduce yourself?
0: Well, certainly a supply chain expert uh, focused on final mile custom logistics I would say I'm very forward-thinking with a business philosophy based on strong moral ethics and giving back attitude to solve for disruptors and supply chain in today's world.
1: Love it. I love it. So so let's dive into supply chain. Um, you know, I, I think logistics is a very interesting concept, and I think it's something that Uh, more e-commerce brands are taking note of, right? You know, it no longer takes four months for something to get to you. It can get to you in a matter of hours or a few days. So how important is maximizing the potential of your supply chain to the future growth of e-commerce brands?
0: Well, one, it's very important. If you look at some of the studies, returning customer and wallet share is very dependent on that in-consumer experience. So very important um, and certainly since COVID hit and we've seen a lot of disruptors based on COVID, international supply chain, everything from chips coming in from China to um, some of the large ocean tankers getting stuck in the Suez Canal to you know just being able to get building products. Supply chain is everything. Uh, we experienced toilet paper and empty grocery store shelves all the way to uh, not being able to build a home. So mm-hmm. uh, extremely important.
2: You mentioned uh, COVID. I was going to ask you, what, what were some of the troubles or, or how did things change for you in the logistics supply chain area for, uh, during COVID?
0: Well, certainly, you know, COVID's had a lot of different impacts. Uh, the workforce one has been um, a challenge for a lot of companies. You either have people that are concerned, not wanting to work, uh, fear of exposure, or not being able to because of you know family obligations, etc. But um, yeah, as far as supply chain, you know, when COVID hit, I expected certain things. I thought the housing market would take a real serious crash, Um, just the opposite, especially here in Nashville. We, you know, experiencing just phenomenal growth when it comes to housing Mm
2: -hmm. and house
0: values. Um, Really didn't expect the negative impact at the grocery store. In fact, I contacted one of my uh, friends and colleagues that supplies into one of the larger grocery store chains and told him, I said, hey, if you need help, let me know, you know, we'll divert some resources. His feedback was, you know, Chuck, I'm not having trouble getting it from the D.C. to the store. The trouble he was getting was getting it from the suppliers into him at the D.C. And for a lot of different reasons. But, um, yeah, I think we learned some very critical items during COVID and it's changed our world those disruptors, no matter if it's COVID or Suez Canal or whatever it may be, weather patterns, um, it's had a major impact. And now we're seeing, you know, you layer on top of that, the whole e-commerce trend Mm -hmm. with everybody buying from home. And now even the late adapters have grown accustomed to it because And older people wasn't leaving their home, so they'd order it and have their food delivered to the front porch. Mm -hmm. So there are studies out there right now. And just a little, you know, hint for everybody, get your Christmas shopping done early. There are studies right now showing a capacity shortfall of 4.85 million parcels per day. So the compounding factor of that, you know, we potentially could see one of the worst peaks we've ever seen.
1: So, you know, I I imagine there's new regulations, but I think the biggest thing, especially Nashville, is people aren't working. So is the supply chain industry facing that issue where there's not even enough people to keep up with the demand?
0: It's a combination of not enough people to keep up with the demand. Um, I was on the phone with a guy from Florida yesterday and he said, you know, Chuck, I had six routes down today because guys called in with COVID. Um, you know, so it's hard to plan and predict Mm -hmm. because of that impact. So, you know, if you need whatever the number is a hundred drivers on a given day and a, you know, you have your normal, um, absenteeism or turnover. Well, that's been complicated by multiple times over and, you know, it's difficult to plan for. So we're seeing a lot of rescheduling of deliveries and activity. We're having people that are buying brand new homes and having to put in a hodgepodge of appliances because they can't get appliances that match. They are so delayed coming in from overseas. It's a, yeah, a combination of a lot of different factors that are, um, Creating the issue for
1: us. Do you foresee that those issues continuing to happen, or do you, is there any sort of work in place to turn that around?
0: Um, there's certainly work in place. Um, they, I do not see them turning around. Certainly in the next eighteen months depending on what the trends are with COVID and a lot of different factors, Um, you know, everything from international supply chain catching up to local capacity issues and concerns and the workforce um, shifting. We're seeing, you know, now, you know, here in Nashville, you know, Amazon's opening their new facility and, you know, they're applying. So you're going to see a lot of shift in labor people going from one job to another because of opportunity, which is a good thing. There's nothing certainly wrong with that, but um, yeah, it, you know, people, if they're not planning, staying flexible and being disciplined to the plan and the end results, uh, they're going, they're going to find some very sleepless nights over the next uh, year and a half, two years, at least.
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested because of, you know, I'm, there's a lot of change happening for you in your, your industry. And with the turnover and, and like you're talking about, there, you're having a multiple of absentees from employees. Are y'all utilizing some technology or softwares that are able to maybe fill some of those gaps for you?
0: Yeah, it's a combination of all of the above. Certainly, if you look at Rova, that is a app transportation platform company. Mm-hmm. So if you look at California with Prop 22, AB5, um, the Ubers and Lyfts of the world and what's going on with whatever administration is in, the shifting tides of regulatory issues, um, that is built and designed for tomorrow's workforce. And I talk with guys uh, from the association and, and supply chain um, and everybody's talking about how tough it is to get drivers. We went into Orlando and th- we see the same trends in other cities that we open. but we had 150 drivers week one. It's oh. a driver first mentality. We looked at the workforce, what the coming workforce deems important to them and built the model around that. These guys not only is it a driver first mentality, they've got a superior earning potential with business development components. You know, we really look at that. And the guys that started that, myself included, was a driver at one time. And we understand that piece of it. So if you really want to take care of your people, be it a driver, a dispatcher, or any employee, um, you know, you really got to take care of that person. Those people will stick around and in this work environment, if you're not doing that, you're going to face some difficult times.
1: I, I love this conversation around turnover because, you, you know, we run a staffing agency and I tell people in the staffing and recruiting world, turnover is a thing and you're never going to completely remove it, but there are ways to mitigate it. Um, financial incentives, of course, are one thing, but there's a lot of people who don't care about that. They just want to feel heard. Like they're making a contribution so is is there a difference now the way people are treating drivers and the one they did before? Because they know, I mean, are, are there pay increases as well? Because they might know, Hey, we can pay them, but we also have to couple it with, we care about you as well. Has, has there been a big shift since COVID in that? I,
0: I think the shift has been going on for at least the last decade, probably longer COVID um, expedited that, okay. but When we looked at it with the companies that I work with, be it advising um, the association work or the companies that I'm running, um, if you look at it, when I was a young man starting a family and everything, you know, the goal was security and to build that security so my children were better off than I was. And that kind of went for generations. Then it's, we started seeing the shift to where personal time and what you know, that person wants to do with their time started taking more of a priority than that security, if you will. So we started seeing delivery requests where, okay, well, that was going to be delivered to my office, but my son's got a soccer game. So can I have that delivery changed? in the last moment from my office to the soccer field, for example, or a Dropbox or some other means of delivery because the level of importance of that personal time started overtaking the security component of it, if you will. So we started seeing that shift and then with COVID, obviously everything from home delivery to availability, we see um, minimum wage increases, um, you know, you know, no matter what the minimum wage is. If you're somebody that was making $12 an hour, minimum wage goes to 15. Well, that works for a short period of time. But the person who was making 15 now is going to want to make 18. So sooner or later, that entire rotation catches back up and we still have the the issue that we started with. So it doesn't solve the problem, but it does have an impact on labor and workforce.
2: I want to go back to Rova for a second, because a big thing that we like to talk about on the podcast is kind of the struggles that we go through as entrepreneurs in building our business. So talk to us about some of the biggest hurdles you've had to face while building Rova and getting it to where it is now.
0: Um, well, it's not just Rova. Um, if I, you know, that's a good question. And if I look back over my career, um, first of all, even with Stay True Advisors, and the name there, Stay True was very important to me. You got to know who you are and what you stand for, and stay true to that, no matter what life or the you know work environment throws at you. You can't just chase the next shiny object you got to stay true and when I looked at that I don't care if it's if you look at high school students today and you know many high school and even college students would have difficulty balancing a checkbook for example Mm -hmm. and some very basic fundamental um, business practices if you will So be it high school, college, career, business leaders, I've worked with guys that started their own business, second, third generation owners. Every one of them is different because of their background and their history. But when I talk to a new business owner or an existing business owner that is going through some challenges, because we always have to reinvent ourselves in our companies to stay relevant you know, the key thing there is be disciplined, know what your end game is, build a plan to achieve it, remain flexible through the process of the plan, but don't be flexible on your goal and the discipline to get there. So, you know, sometimes it sounds easy and we all know who's been down that path. It's not, but, um, you know, yeah, it's a very interesting and challenging. Uh, if you look at the success rate of new startups, um, a lot of that is because lack of discipline or chasing the shiny object or just not having the capital to you know, fund it and make it work.
1: Yeah. No, I, I love this conversation too, because you're exactly right. I think a lot of startups fail and, and I think it's part of it's because they look too far into the future. They, they had this big, audacious goal, which is great. There's, there's nothing wrong with having big goals, but when you have a big goal, it's hard to break it down to micro goals. What do I need to do this month or this week or today to truly reach that goal five years from now? Um, so that I operate this by, the, by this personally of, and I heard it on the podcast, that my life is just a series of five-second decisions. That's all it is. What am I doing in this five seconds that's going to push me forward? And it becomes a lot less overwhelming when I can have big goals and say, hey, is this five-second increment, am I doing something that's going to push me forward? And I think that's very, very big. So are there any principles in your life? Because tackling all these goals with logistics, it's a lot of work. I'm sure there's a lot of politics and there's a lot of money involved. So when you have these large goals. Do you have any principle that you sit by that allows you to, to, to break it apart and do one thing at a time.
0: Yeah. So building the plan. And again, I probably make it sound a lot easier than it actually is, but you know, if you want X amount of sales in five years from now, you know, if you really get that owner or his team together, and clearly define the plan and then with strategic components work backwards finding those benchmarks is not difficult then building the plan to your point you know in the, you know the level of detail you don't look at achieving the five year plan you look at okay well, I need to do this in the next quarter or the next six months or the next year. And you get every member of your team laser focused on those short term objectives. And by the time you piece all those together, when you get to that five year time frame, you find that, you know, you did pretty well or you hit your goal and then many times, you know, exceeded your goal. So, Building that plan and that level of detail and having the accountability components of it is very critical because, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with and worked through the process and then get a phone call from them 48 hours later and some opportunity came through the door. So now they want to chase a new objective that was never, ever part of their value proposition. They just seen it as a revenue generating opportunity and did not have the focus on the bottom line, but had to focus strictly on top line or revenue creation. Um, and that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Young entrepreneurial spirits out there that all of a sudden things are going pretty well. And you know, they look at cash flow and they say, okay, wow, man, I had a good month. and." Go out and buy them a new bass boat, whatever the case may be, without you know doing proper financial forecasting and understanding. Okay, well, I've got this revenue coming in, but I also am going to have additional expenses as part of that revenue that I'm going to have to pay it sometime at a later date, and not plan appropriately, and then they find themselves getting in trouble.
2: Yeah. I think it's important. I think there's a not enough financial literacy in the world as as
0: there should be, for sure. So, well, it's not one of those, you know, topics that, you know, will keep you awake and, you know, exciting and if we figured out a way to make that exciting and fun to sit in those sessions, we'd probably uh start a new business. Yeah. <laughs> it's necessary though, right? It's <laughs> necessary for,
2: for just about everybody. And it's, it's a trouble you're going to end up facing one way or another if you don't, if you don't take the time to get that, that education.
0: Yep. And, you know, young, new startups, very seldom look at risk management appropriately. You know, and granted, a new business starting up, you know, you can take some additional risk. But you still need to have your eye on that ball. You need to plan appropriately because, uh, you know, if you're not doing that, you could lose everything that you've been working toward.
2: Right. So I wanted wanted to ask you, we're talking about planning a lot and planning for your goals and then kind of working it back to figure out what you need to be doing in the micro. Tell us about the steps you take when you are setting some of those macro goals, because I know a lot of times people are like, I'm going to make $100 million, right? And we're going to do it by year five but they don't have any way to quantify it. It's just this kind of pie in the sky number that they're creating. What do you do to, to create a realistic goal, or maybe it's slightly unrealistic, but something that's within the realm of what you're looking to really achieve.
0: Yeah. So I've actually worked um, both with individuals who have set, in my opinion, too much of a conservative goal. Plus the guy that, you know, as you just outlined, you know, shot for the moon. And typically what I'll do in our industry is then break that down and say, okay, so you want to be, you know, a hundred million dollars in three years. Okay. How many shipments does that translate to? How many facilities do you need? How many trucks on the road, et cetera, et cetera? And all of a sudden, when they look at that and I'll say, Okay. So is that doable? And you know, very quickly in that process, if the goal is just off the charts, too, too aggressive, um, yeah, it brings them back down to reality pretty quick.
2: I like that. So using the metrics and the KPIs of, of working backwards kind of brings in sets in that reality of my goal was a bit audacious or it was too small.
0: Yeah, as well as their sales and marketing plan. So, you know, I've worked with young owners that, you know, let's, you can pick the number, but let's say they've had a million dollars in sales. Okay, well, you know, they set the goal. All right, so what did you do to achieve that million dollars? Can you duplicate that or can you multiply that and put it on a faster path? and really bring it down to reality because, you know, they say, Oh yeah, well operationally I can handle whatever the number is. Okay. Well, how are you going to achieve those sales? You know, because a lot of startups in logistics and transportation work off of third party relationships. They don't have the relationship, direct relationship with the shippers. So therefore, you know, they might get, a quick start out of the gates, but they're dependent on somebody else owning that relationship and controlling their Mm. destiny. The Mm. where you got to really look at, okay, that may work to get you started. It may buy you some runway, but your end game is to have those direct relationships and control your own destiny. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. And I think at the end of the day, I think this is a skill. I think I don't think anyone just is inherently good at it. I think it's being self-aware of one what you're capable of, and and B what is your team capable of. Um, and it's not going to be perfect in the beginning. Like I, I've been planning right for a few years now. I just feel like I'm getting good at it. Right, it's taken me a few years of years <laughs> under my belt and experience and saying, hey, this plan doesn't work, and throwing it out the window. But um, one final question because I think this is interesting. You know, supply chain, we've come a long way. You know, you, Amazon is, in my opinion, a big uh, pioneer in this. And you might have others that you feel like are a big pioneer in it. But, you know, the 45-minute shipping. And, of course, you have to be around the warehouses that actually have the products. But how can supply chain and logistics get better? Where do you see it going where people can potentially get their products quicker? You know, you have the drone shipments. Where do you see it going within the next decade?
0: Um, like a lot of things we see in the business world, not just in logistics, trends seem to cycle back around. Um, If you look at logistics in today's world, if I go think back, you know, my grandmother had um, food delivered to her home. It was in an old school bus that had been converted to a rolling store. Um, Out in the country, you know, um, of course, we didn't see that um, for a number of years with the exception of a couple companies. Well, now everything's coming back to being delivered to homes. Um, So what I think we'll see over the next number of years, obviously, technology enhancements. We'll see more regional, local warehousing Um, for years. All your big companies. You know, it got away from just-in-time inventory and, you know, had two or three distribution centers across the country, but now they can't compete because of the distance the product has to travel and the costs associated with it. So that's why we're seeing a lot of commercial warehousing type space just exploding. Um, if you need warehouse space here in Nashville, um, good luck. Uh, Because they they can't build it fast enough. Um, But yet, that's what you have to do to service your clients. And the end consumer is driving everything. We used to see a supply chain that was a push model, meaning all the suppliers pushed it to the consumers. Well, we've seen that shift, call it in... The last 20 years to a pull model and now the consumers are pulling everything through the supply chain because of their needs and their requests um, so it kind of flipped everything on its ear so that suppliers now have to look at that supply chain in a totally different light so we'll see a lot of changes we'll see a lot of technology everything from drones to self-driving vehicles you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the end of the day um, we're still going to have people involved in it. Technology is going to definitely be a requirement when you get into healthcare and delivering everything from you know, blood samples to surgical instruments to really items that can mean life or death. Um, you know, a lot of checks and balances, a lot of KPIs and oversight. Uh, You can do a lot of things to help that process, but at the end of the day, there's still going to be, you know, humans involved. You may have robotics and everything else play a part, but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting study. And when you look at the changes, when you look at what's on the horizon in the next decade, and if you're not building your technology platforms, your labor solutions, and Your value proposition to those consumers, um, you're going to be playing catch up all the way uh, along that next 10 year time frame. Not that that's always a bad thing, but if you really want to capture market share, if you want to be an industry leader, you got to be looking forward.
1: And I think that this is a this is a great tie into, you know, what's your 10 year goal? Let's break it up. Where do you got to be? Break it up to today. What can you do today to be? uh, with those bigger companies that are dominating the market. But Chuck, I appreciate your time. I think you, you provided a lot of insight on logistics and supply chain. If someone wants to get in touch with you and, you know, ask you any business supply chain related question, how can they get in touch with
0: you? Um, certainly my LinkedIn, um, I'd be glad to connect with anyone there. Um, I'm also, you know, CLDA, uh, Certainly, uh, you can look at our website. I'm available on it also as far as the industry's leading trade association. Um, you know, and from a, the trade association standpoint, there's a number of things that I could probably recommend to young business owners. One of them is networking. Mm-hmm. And I have never gone to a conference, and I've been to a lot of them, obviously with 45 plus years of experience in the industry. I've never gone to a conference that didn't pay for itself. And I'll have people question me on that because they say, you mean you got new business out of it? Well, that tells me right there that their mindset is wrong because more often than not, it didn't pay for it from new business. But I heard someone, a keynote speaker, speak to uh, something that they did or they was using and applied it to my application because seldom do is it a perfect match, but you, you got to look at it and say, how can I apply that? Or talking to other business owners and understanding ways they're dealing with challenges in the business that I hadn't thought about. And really that bottom line focus versus the top line focus.
1: Yeah. I think that's massive. I think networking is huge. And you're exactly right. You know, it's, not, would oh, did you get a new client, it's what did you learn that you can apply and help grow your business you know, exponentially. But Chuck, thank you so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you coming on.
0: Great. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week and we'd
1: greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll
0: catch you next time.